Well, very good morning to everyone. Uh, I'm excited to be here this morning, excited to bring a portion of God's Word to, to, to you. Uh, if you're visiting with us, you are our honored guest, and we do welcome you. Uh, also invite you to uh, feel free to give me any feedback at the end of this lesson, uh, visitor or member alike. Uh, anything I can do to improve uh, the way the message is brought is is good for me. I want to be an effective and, and good teacher in God's Word, so please be my friend. Let me know where I can improve those things. Uh, otherwise, I'll try to stick to God's Word. So that's the safest way for me to be. Uh, I, I appreciate my father-in-law coming down. He drove an hour to, to come and hear me. I'm not sure why, uh, but I am glad he made it safely. Uh, it's always good to see him and spend time with him. Now, I struggled with... Uh, this this lesson. I struggled with choosing a title, I choo- uh, with choosing a theme, and I'll be honest, it wasn't until last Wednesday that it really hit me what I wanted to, to focus on, which is not a lot of time to put thoughts together, but I was struggling, and finally, I was like, this is where I'm going. So I was sitting in a meeting last week, and about, about Wednesday, there was uh, some corporate level uh, representatives from two areas of the product lines that I purchased from, from work. Four reps dressed in very nice clothes, uh, my boss and, and myself dressed in shorts and a t-shirt, sat down to discuss growth numbers, uh, new products, opportunities, and, and all the fun business meeting stuff. Now, after about an hour and a half, the reps asked if, if they could come back and get a tour of some of the facilities that we service, and we agreed to give them that tour, so so all of them, they started whipping out their iPads and, and their iPhones and their eye everything on their calendars and going through all this stuff. And the first guy speaks up. He says, well, it looks like Thursday is going to be the best days for me. Thursday is about, about my only open day in the week. The next guy speaks up. He says, well, I can do Thursday, but it'll have to be next month. The third guy, which I think was, was the boss boss of those guys, he looks at his phone. He goes, oh, Thursday. Oh, I am booked for the next month. I can't do it till the end of next month. And he's kind of laughing. And uh, it got kind of quiet, and, and they kind of shuffled their view to me in the corner, sitting in a chair. And uh, I think they did it out of politeness. They said, Luke, does, does Thursdays work for you? So I slid my phone out of my pocket, checked the time, answered a couple text messages. <laughs> I said, yeah, I think I can squeeze that in. <laughs> now, I can mingle with, with the business suit and tie kind of guys. But I prefer to get in and, and work with my hands, work with my team, and sweat a little so I don't wear nice clothes to work. Uh, and, and for the most part, every business trip I'm invited to, I, I'll say yes, but for, for two main reasons. Free food and all expenses paid. That's, that's the best two reasons. Other than that, I could care less about what they're trying to sell to me. And my boss, he usually covers, he says he's just here for the food. So I'm good. I'm covered in all aspects. After that meeting, though, it got me thinking more and more about how often I hear people uh, get to a point of, of almost bragging about how booked their schedule is. And, and the more booked they are, the more important they feel, it seems like. Uh, it, it's also a thought that it becomes the same in regards to extracurricular activities. Like it's part of our uh, social status fulfillment to be involved in absolutely everything that everyone else is involved in or to make sure our kids are involved likewise. So with all the busyness in our world and in our lives, we need other things to uh, accommodate that lifestyle. We need more convenience, don't we? We need things to happen 
when we want to happen, uh, when we want them to happen and, and whatever it is, it can't impact the rest of, of what is more important to us or more interest to us uh, personally. You know, the world of business and sales and retail, they know this. And hence, they provide us a means to protect what we might otherwise consider lost time, the option of on-demand. Now, I chose this scripture this morning, and I put it up there because the International Standard Version isn't a popular version. I want this scripture to kind of be up there just in the top of your mind as we talk about the things this morning. Coming from 2 Timothy 4.2 in the International Standard Version, it says, I solemnly appeal to you, proclaim the message, be ready to do this, whether or not the time is convenient. Refute, warn, and encourage with the utmost patience when you teach. So just let that kind of grow in the top of your mind as we're talking about what we talk about this morning. What we want, when we want it, and how we want it. Life on demand. You know, what happens along the way is we have to make time, which is a funny expression to me. Nobody but God can really truly make time. But we like to use the expression... We challenge ourselves to to squeeze in just one more thing. Uh, we, we have to take from another. And, and somewhere in those adjustments, we're going to make a sacrifice. What are we willing to give up some of to get more out of the other? More often than not, I'm afraid our spirituality is affected. And I do mean harder than what we think. In our own lives, we have blinders to the results of our actions often. And it's likely we don't perceive otherwise because... Either others are afraid to, to tell us for fear of hurting our feelings, or we're too proud to admit it. And sometimes, even in our Christian lives, we begin to make decisions that, that are more convenient for our circumstances. And we justify them based on our own thought process. We like to be able to decide when and where and how we will live. To be able to push that, that pause button and come back to where we left off later. And if we're not careful, we may wind up living a life where religion is on demand. There when we want it or need it, but otherwise, we're preoccupied with more pressing matters. So this morning I picked a handful of biblical examples for us to consider uh, the mentality and attitude of in regards to living a life uh, with religion on demand, or what I'll refer to through this lesson, a life of serving God at our own convenience. The first for our consideration is going to be coming out of Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, this is a a familiar passage for us. Reading in verses 16 through 22, 16 through 22 of Matthew 19. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in me, and come, follow me. Verse 22, When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had a great possessions. In this memorable story with the rich young ruler, we can easily see there is a mentality problem. Now, the overlying issue, I think, is, is probably more directed to the attachment that the ruler has with his uh, physical possessions, letting worldly possessions and, and wealth be the influencing factor. 
But I think we can also easily draw from this that for him to do this thing would be a terrible inconvenience. To have to give up everything, to sell all that I have, uh, all that he has inherited or, or acquired. Up to this point of Jesus' request, the ruler, he was on par. He had a ready answer. He seemed to understand scripture pretty well. But the demand from Jesus was, was more than he could mentally bear. It was too much to do in his own eyes to have to give up what he had. After all, he could do all these other things and still keep his wealth. But Jesus knew his heart. And the statement Jesus made to the young ruler proved that point. Wealth and possessions can provide uh, what we will consider convenience in life at times, but it will not provide the way unto heaven. And like the ruler, there are those who will become so attached to possessions and conveniences uh, that they provide that they will refuse to let them go, even to the point of disobedience. So for each topic or each example that I've picked this morning, I picked three sub-points for us just to, just to think about. For this one, observing most of the Lord's commands doesn't cut it. No matter the cost, we should seek first the Lord. And putting all else aside and serving the Lord, we should never view as an inconvenience. I want you to turn over to uh, Acts chapter 22 with me. Acts chapter 22. In Acts 22, uh, Paul is beginning a a defense to the people there and recounting his experience with the vision uh, on the way to Damascus. And notice, if you will, that all the way from the first verse down to verse 21, Paul, he, he wasn't interrupted. And although the crowd has quietened some, uh, because he addressed them in the Hebrew language, and, and he was also proving himself true by telling them exactly who he was before the vision and what he did after the vision. And, and for a while, they listened. But notice in verse 22. Verse 22, something changes. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. So up to this word, they listened to him. I wonder why they remained quiet for the beginning part. Now, perhaps they were still in awe of uh, that he was so well educated, uh, that he was educated at the feet of a man that was well known. Maybe they were in awe that he was recounting his history in regards to the persecution of the church. Or maybe it's a little of, of everything with the possibility that up to this word or up to a point, They were agreeing with what he was teaching or recounting. They liked that part. But when Paul started to get into his explanation of his uh, travels in the beginning of his ministry, the people were festering from something. And it hit a point of no return. They would no longer hear any more from his mouth. Now, I can't help but wonder if, if there have been moments like that in our lives. Where even in our Christianity, we have convictions and beliefs up to a point. And as we may know the Bible fairly well and and may understand it in part, we begin to learn deeper. And we may expose truths and realize uh, the way we are living isn't completely right. And it's hard to accept that we're wrong. And even harder to commit to completely altering a lifestyle or, uh, or interest. And so we begin to find excuses sometimes. I don't want to get into all this deep stuff. Nope. Uh, that's too hard for me to understand, and, and I don't need to be getting confused. God's doing good with me right where I'm at, and, and I'm going to keep it that way. After all, he's the one that gave us all this stuff, right? Do you see where the mentality goes? 
justifying what we have and what we experience in life that, that we like to enjoy and we like and enjoy so that we don't have to give it up. Making excuses so we don't have to feel pressured by Scripture to do something we don't want to be pressured into. So we shut it out. We shut it up. And when the preacher talks about it, our, our minds wander and we la 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 in our head. We're, we're, when we're approached about it, we're, we're too busy to talk. We can be guilty of listening up to that word as well. And when we feel compromised in our lifestyle, we may react in the same manner that the people did with Paul. Shutting out the truth because we don't want to accept or acknowledge that we have wrong in our life. Obedience to God's word doesn't work in the sense of picking and choosing what we like and don't like. And we should know that. We should accept that. It is complete submission to every word and every command. And here's the three points that I've chosen. Listening up to will not secure your soul. Shutting out your brothers and sisters doesn't solve the problem. And listening to God's word is not about only hearing what we want to hear. Following not far behind this experience Paul had here is what he went through with Felix just a couple chapters over in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 24 now. Acts chapter 24. And this one actually was one that would work really well toward the end of the lesson, but it fit better uh, under this particular header of obedience when it's convenient. In Acts 24, Paul is before Felix here to be judged according to uh, the accusations that have been thrown against Paul. And as Felix has, has kind of postponed this judgment, so to speak, he keeps hold of Paul. And he says, Paul, I'm going to let your friends still, still take care of you. And even from time to time, Felix and his wife, Drusilla, would come and, and listen to Paul. And they enjoyed listening to Paul. And, and they would permit Paul that time. But I want you to look in verses 24 and 25. 24 and 25. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And he reasoned, or, and as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. Now, reading from the ESV, we see this translated as, as opportunity. If you have the King James Version, you're going to see the word or words convenient season. Convenient season. When I have a, when there's a more convenient season. Now, I wonder what was so inconvenient about that time. The time that they would have obviously spent and likely been spending talking to Paul, my guess is Felix heard something that probably pricked his heart somewhere, but he wasn't willing to commit to it. And maybe even sometime, something that made him feel uncomfortable you know, in his own skin, as the expression goes. And the excuse was, it's, it's not a convenient time for me. I'll let you know when I want to hear from you again. That's the convenient answer, the cop-out. And this mentality of when the time serves my needs has grown exponentially. People become uh, narcissistic, infatuated with themselves, and demand that other schedules revolve around what fits me, what fits them. Typically, they insist on doing things that only they want to do, and they don't participate in anything else that is of their little interest. And with raising kids, I'm sure you parents know exactly what I'm talking about when we're teaching our kids that you sometimes you got to play with sister's stuff for a little bit and make her happy so that she'll play with your stuff and make you happy. That's, that's a hard thing to teach people. we got to give a little to get a little. 
and why so many have become so wrapped up in themselves is, is beyond me, but it is a selfish and unfulfilling relationship when we think of no one else but what conveniences us and our own interest. For someone in the position of Felix, the convenience of sending Paul away was easy to allow him to avoid uh, maybe accusations or to avoid having to commit to something that could potentially hurt his title or his position. You know, Wrapped up in ourselves, we too easily can send Paul away, as it were, only calling upon our God when the need arises. Some points for consideration. God's Word does not revolve around your time. Excuses might work while on earth, but they will not work for God. There is no time when it is inconvenient to be obedient to God. Now, the second overall thought that I want to bring this morning is the concept of altering God's word uh, for our convenience or to be more convenient. In the book of Malachi, back in the Old Testament now, and and not commonly referenced to, so, so for a refresher, that's the last book in your Old Testament, right behind Matthew there. Malachi chapter 1. Malachi is calling the people to repentance in regards to uh, some different things, but in this first chapter is addressing the priest offerings. Notice, if you will, verses 6 through 8 of Malachi chapter 1. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest who despise my name. But you say... How have we despised your name? Verse 7, by polluting or by offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And I think it'd be easy for us to read this and think, how dare they offer polluted sacrifice? The reality is, we can be just as guilty in offering polluted sacrifices of our own. For the people at this time, to give up the best of the flock would have been a a difficult sacrifice. So the priests, they allowed and offered these animals uh, that would have been more convenient to offer. Animals that would likely serve no other purpose anyway being diseased, lamed, or blind. So they probably saw it as a way to kill two birds with one stone, as the expression goes. Rather than lose two goats, one to disease and one to sacrifice, we'll just lose one in sacrifice and the diseased one won't be such a loss to us. In our lives, and especially as Christians, we understand the more we study Scripture, the depth of what real sacrifice is. When we, when we make our own sacrifice... It is easy to justify uh, what we do, so as long as that sacrifice doesn't impact us too hard. And what I mean by that is, we are willing to make some sacrifices, so as long as they don't impact what our personal interests or desires are, or put us in a situation where we have to give them up completely. Proverbs 14.12 should be always in the back of our minds when we, when we get into this thinking mentality. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Every instance in Scripture where man substitutes his thoughts, his desires, or his logic, or his ideas to how God ought to be served, ends in a bad way. Let's take a look at one more example. Back 
Further in the Old Testament, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15, looking at verses 1 through 3 here. 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 3. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul has his instructions, and there's some specificity to these instructions. Not difficult to understand because God demanded a complete wipeout of everything. So Saul prepares the men for battle and proceeds with the mission successfully defeating the Amalekites. But there's a problem. Let's look at verses 6 through 9 now. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from the, among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is uh, east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and of the lambs and that uh, and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. Now, I'm not going to say necessarily that Paul did uh, that Saul did what he did uh, out of convenience but he did do it out of his own interest and desire an example of how human logic allows us and persuades us to justify our actions let's look furthermore down in verses 13 through 15 13 through 15 now and Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him blessed be you to the Lord I have performed the commandment of the Lord And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep, and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Can't you see, Samuel? We did it for a good reason. I know it's not exactly what what God asked us to do, but, but just think about all the animal sacrifices we can make now. Think of, the, think of the riches we have made among the people. It was, in a way, a convenience for Saul to do what he did. Because it benefited who? It benefited himself. Benefited the people. Then when he realized his wrongdoing, he conveniently shifted the blame to everyone else. Well, that was their idea. There's a lot of Saul that happens in our home, by the way. So, who's to blame, Saul? Who's to blame? You. You made the choice. And the lesson to learn in respect to convenience or religion on demand is, what excuses are we using to cover up for our choices? Especially the choices that directly impact our focus on spiritual matters. I made it to one service and that's, that's all that's really commanded of me. I made it through the important part of service, so I don't really need to be here for the rest. The Bible doesn't say I have to go to church on Wednesday night. And while some of those statements may reflect some truth, they do not reflect a heart that's committed to God. Or a heart, uh, a heart that's committed to God, or does it more so, uh, 
represent a heart that's committed to convenience. You know, do we make choices based on how we perceive things, or do we make choices based on how things really impact us and our family to spiritual growth? There is no justification for actions contrary to God's law. Our own logic does not supersede God's, our own wisdom. Even when performing duties commanded of the Lord, we should not let what is convenient be the deciding factor of our actions. The last of these points I would like to, uh, to consider is forsaking God for something more convenient. 1 Kings chapter 12. Going the wrong way in my Bible. 1 Kings chapter 12. Let's begin our reading here in verses 25 and going through 30. 25 through 30. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. And he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of the people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam the king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam king of Judah. So the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. And he said to the people, You have gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Behold, your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Then this thing became a sin, for the people went as far as Dan to be before one. Jeroboam needed to create a fix for a problem that would threaten his position and livelihood to prevent the people from going to Jerusalem to worship. He made these two golden calves that would be placed in convenient locations. Now, the King James Version translates, it is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Listen, folks, you're being way too hard on yourselves. Allow me to make this easier for you. Look, look, here are the gods that delivered for you, uh, delivered you right here, closer. You know, furthermore, Jeroboam appointed feasts and, and priests that were not of the tribe of Levi. And let's just look at, at some of the other things this led to. Uh, verses uh, 32 and following. And Jeroboam appointed a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month, like the feast that was in Judah, and he offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places that he had made. He went up to the altar that he had made in Bethel on the 15th day in the 8th month, in the month that he had devised from his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the people of Israel and went up to the altar to make offerings. I hope you caught on to the emphasis through there. There's a lot of him going on there, isn't there? Not a lot of God. Who created this again? This was, the, this was something devised from, from his own heart. And he used convenience to persuade those there to stay close. You know, we want to enjoy things in life. And there is, there is nothing wrong with enjoying what God has, has given us to enjoy. But my wife sometimes tells me that, that if I want something bad to eat, you have to do it in moderation. So I found a way to eat the whole candy bar in one bite. She tells me to take a bite to kick the craving. I take it all in one bite. Seriously, though. If, if we want to be involved in things in life, extracurricular, that's great. That's good. 
it's an opportunity to spend time with other Christians. You know, we, we, we do kayaking, we like to play frisbee, basketball, card games, board games, whatever. We love it. But all these activities, they, they do need to be done in moderation and with respect to what is more important in life. If we're going to go kayak on a Sunday afternoon, we do the shorter trip so we don't risk missing, missing evening service. We've, we've done that. Uh, if we're going to play cards Saturday evening, we, we try to end the night early so that our family can be rested for the day of serving the Lord. The most important thing in all that we do is, is to keep spiritual matters at the forefront of our mind. Now, I don't want to send the wrong message that it is wrong to be busy or, or have meetings for the next month. There is nothing innately wrong with those things. But the danger is when we sacrifice the Lord's time and our focus on godly things. So that all being said, we should avoid putting ourselves in situations where we leave church early Sunday morning or, or cut the service short because the big game is on. We should not want to put these worldly interests and desires above spiritual things. It's a slippery slope and one that can easily set an example to others, especially to our family. We need to set the example of prioritizing Christ first and not just when it fits the rest of my schedule or our schedule. Food for thought. Leading others to heaven is not a quest for convenience. We do not decide what is best for others. God already has instructed us of that. In serving the Lord, outside distractions are often going to be our inconveniences. God commands of us to be committed fully to Him in all that we do. One of the best examples in Scripture for reference and a good way to to close this lesson is with this verse. Joshua 24, 15 says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to ask you for a favor and, and allow me to rephrase this for just a minute. I do not want to take away from the Bible, but this is just for thought. If serving the Lord seems inconvenient to you, then choose for yourself this day who you will serve, whether the gods that the world serves around you or that which interests you more than spiritual things. But as for me and my house, surely y'all can finish this. We will serve the Lord. Religion is not on demand. It is in demand. The lifestyle of Christianity should be a, a selfless one, a sacrificial one, not designed around what fits in your schedule but what you choose to do for Him. So, brother or sister, it may be that you have found yourself choosing a life of self-service and convenience, a life where you have found yourself choosing when you want to be religious and what kind of religious you want to be rather than what God has asked of you. And we are ready and willing to pray with you and for you and encourage you, help you through those things. And for those who have not obeyed the gospel, hopefully you have seen through some of these examples how poor an attitude you have when you put off till the unknown tomorrow what should be done this day. And there is a convenience that exists today. And that is one you should take advantage of for certain. Now there's not very many steps from from that point back there to the front pew. Which means it's that many steps that keep you uh, between yourself in obedience to God. And if you want convenience, there are garments. There's a changing area. There's water with the proper pH level. Thanks to Adam Gwynn. 
It's warm, and it's right there. That's as convenient as we can make it for you. All you have to do is take those few steps up here to commit your life to God. So, if you need to do that at this time, come forward as we stand and as we sing.